Hi, friends, fellow evolvers and curious people everywhere. Welcome to this episode of Being with Sally Wilson. So I'm Sally Wilson, and it's a huge honor to have with me today Abiola Ajetomobi, who is an extraordinary social innovator among many other things. Welcome, Abiola. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Aisha. I'm, I'm just so happy you were able to find time. I know you're a very busy woman. <laughs> um, we have some really important things to talk about today. Um, and we wanted to start with how we break the bias. Now, this is something that, you know, you've spoken about a lot. You've interviewed about a lot. Um, and we all experience bias in ourselves and in other people, one way or the other. Um, can you tell us, Abiola, a little bit about what it really means to you? Yeah, yeah, and, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I've spoken about you know, breaking the bias a lot, but I'm still learning as well because I, I listen to other people talk about their own perspective of breaking the bias. But one that really struck me recently was one of the very honorable women, Zakia Bang, was talking about, I was interviewing her actually about breaking the bias. And she said, oh, what does it mean for you? And she said to me, break the bias means break the bias. There's no other way around it. We don't need any methodology or philosophy to really understand what it means to break the bias. We just have to break it. But most importantly, I think from my perspective, it's really about your having that self-awareness, recognizing that you want to make your experience and other people's experience the best you can, and you want to contribute to a safer and equitable society, and trying to use that as a basis of your why to recognize the impact of your words, your actions and inactions, and the role that you play in society and how that amplifies or disempower other community. I think once you can do that yourself, then it makes it easier because it's a daily journey. Yeah. And even for myself, it's a daily journey. It's just about that self-awareness, that intentionality that you need to have about what does it mean to be biased? What have I done today that has contributed to bias and how to change that? Or whatever I've done today that has actually helped me to break the bias mm. or give me a different perspective. So traveling in words, making yourself accountable to yourself, checking in with your why, which has to be solid and firm. Otherwise, we snap in and out of it. Yeah. But once it's very intentional, it becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know, the intention. The intention is the first thing. The intention to want to recognize our own biases. Um, and like you say, it is a, it's a daily journey, you know, but then when you, you said the intention, after the intention, you posed yourself a lot of questions. Hmm. And so it's that, it's that continual kind of questioning our beliefs, questioning what we perceive as truth. Um, and so can you just run over those very basic questions again that you ask yourself on a daily basis and that you think will help people develop that awareness around their biases you're back yeah yeah i'm back <laughs> you're one of the it's few people new world. Who, you're one of the few people who actually managed to freeze in a um you know in a nice pose well done <laughs> <laughs> that's good but the questions the sorts of questions we need to ask ourselves to develop our awareness around our own biases can you just Say more of those. 
Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things is to recognize that we all have a bias, whether you know it or not. Just accept it. The acknowledgement that I can have a bias and I can be biased towards other people, whether consciously or unconsciously, I think that's a first step. Just owning that and being comfortable with that, with being uncomfortable by the fact that you could have a bias. I think that's the first step. And yeah. I think another thing there is where the questioning is really, how am I, how is my bias reflecting in my world? Whether it's your actions, your inactions, the things you say, the decisions you make, the framing of your language, you know, things like that. I'm being more conscious of it. But one thing I want to point out is that people should not be conscious of it from a place of guilt because it's not going to help anybody, not help you, not help other people. Yeah. Being conscious of it from a place of strength. I have a role to play. I can break my bias. So it's actually a positive thing because we want to create a more inclusive and equitable society. Yeah. Doing something really right here. So only that from a place of positivity and plus from a place of affirmation that, okay, what am I doing that I need to stop doing? How am I contributing in my words that I need to adjust? What decisions have I made? And even checking in back with those. I've had someone said something to me before. I knew it was really, um, it was biased because I could tell, you know, the way it came across, but I just thought, you know what? Let me just overlook it. But sometimes it gets frustrated and tired of talking. And in about half an hour time, the person actually called me and said, you know what? That thing we talked about before, I was being judgmental of you. That was wrong of me. Just mm. to know that I've reflected on it and I'm really sorry. You know, that apology to me was not needed because it was unconscious, but it was intentional for him to let me know that he has made it, he has reflected on it and he probably won't do that again. Yep. So that's, that's something that I, I took out of that is that intentionality around it. So being able to do that is called, we'll cultivate a new culture as we keep going. So questions about your role in society, your actions, your inactions, mm. questions about how you bring yourself to a space and how you hold and, and utilize your power. Yeah. Spaces as well. Questions about how your privilege frames your decision-making and how it differentiates from people to people depending on gender, ethnicity, background. Yeah. And also making sure that you're conscious, especially when it comes to other gender, and other ethnicity or cultural group that you're more conscious of how you bring yourself into that space. Because I think one of the things that is hard for us is really to really nail and pinpoint what we are doing wrong and how it's contributing to the bias. It can be very hard and very, it's got a lot of intersection to it. and very difficult to really pinpoint. And, and when people point, to, point that out, the very nature of us just becomes very defensive because we're not racist. You know, racist uh, and racial attributes have been affiliated with being bad, being a bad person. So people just attack you straight away when you say that. So I think it's really about being conscious of it and making sure that people around you actually know as well and hold your to account, you hold yourself also to account. So there's so many questions we could ask ourselves about it but I just wanted to point out that people should not ask those questions so raise those conversations from a place of guilt no help just kind of we will shut down and we've, we, we won't be able to contribute positively to the discussion or to the environment because we have already uh, feeling a bit defensive and guilt but it comes from a place of strength because what we're going to try to do is actually a good thing 100% and I think um I think humility really helps just just <laughs> accepting that we are all fallible <laughs> and 
having biases is simply a part of being human because we have our own experience. We had our own upbringing. We have our own culture. We have all of these things that influence us and, for want of a better word, program us um, when we're children and then ongoing. And that's inescapable. <laughs> we all have that. <laughs> so um, there is nothing to be guilty about. <laughs> that's guilt, true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's a much more empowering um, position to come from is that, you know what, we are all fallible, as you say. Um, and, and if we're stuck in this place of guilt, then we're actually adding to the tension. And there's been this really interesting research that's been done by the HeartMath Institute. Um, and they measure, well, all sorts of things, but some, for example, heart brain coherence levels and also, you know, electromagnetic fields and, and what we're quite literally projecting out into our environment. Mm. And when what is going on in here, sorry, you can't see my heart, but mm -hmm. my heart is, is not matching what I'm putting out there. <laughs> all sorts of misunderstandings can happen because it's it's a source of tension internal tension that then is that then has a ripple effect outside of us mm, so mm. if we're racked with guilt and we're feeling horrible and on the outside we're just trying to be really 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 nice <laughs> you know the environment is going to pick up on that the people around us are going to pick up on it and it's going to feel weird mm. and intention and reality are two different things and, and what are, one, of, one of the things that we're trying to do when we're talking about breaking the bias is aligning those. I have a good intention for my reality or the way I'm acting or what I'm saying actually doesn't align with my intention or people don't see it as aligned with my intention. How do I bridge that gap? Yes. Because yeah. um, bias sometimes can be so unconscious that it takes the person that you have been biased towards to let you know. Yeah. You know, so that so sometimes it comes to people as a complete shock. Yeah. They don't even believe that someone could think that they are, they are biased or someone could perceive their words as being biased, you know. Or some people would say, oh, they're just using the racist card. You know, I'm not a racist, you know, things like that. It's just becoming such a negative conversation yeah. that's not leading us to where we want to be as an inclusive and equitable society. So we need to start to reframe it. And say, you know, in terms of, you know, let your alignment, let there be a, a, a value-based alignment between your intention and your reality. So what you're actually doing is actually a positive thing, trying to bridge that gap yourself so that you can be part of an inclusive society. Yeah. And I, you know, I so often come back to Mahatma Gandhi's quote, you know, you must be the change you want to see in yourself. You know, if you want to see a peaceful world, well, are you at peace? Are we at Am I at peace? If you mm. want to see a world of, you know, uplifting people um, and spreading joy and love and, you know, all those sorts of things, hang on, am I, am I doing that? But am I doing it for myself or am I beating myself up constantly? Mm. And, and addressing it from an internal sphere as well as our external sphere. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> Very honorable man. So in your experience, in your vast experience, um, 
what are the things that you have identified that we all as human beings need to thrive? Hmm. Wow, that's a very good question. I think when it comes to thriving, it's an individual journey and it's an individual thing. Some people to thrive for them is just to be a good housewife, you know, just care for their children and be good at them, you know. Some people to thrive is to be at the top of their career and their ladder, career ladder and be you know, famous and all of that. So everyone is different. So I, I would think there's a commonality between all of that. That's to be seen, to be valued, and to be given the best of opportunity. So across all of that, you know, it's, it's still the same. To be seen as someone that can add value to society, someone that actually has something to contribute be understood that way, be validated that way, to be, you know, to be seen as someone that can actually, that can maximize opportunity, that deserves an opportunity, deserves a chance, and is and, and, and worthy of an investment that will be put into them, you know, because they have something to contribute to the society. I think those are the commonalities that sit within the thriving journey. But in terms of what people can do to contribute to that journey, is very different. And I would say it's actually giving people permission to thrive. We say, mm. oh, how are you holding someone back from thriving? We are doing that in so many ways. Imagine the number of rooms where your names are mentioned and decisions made about you. Mm. People saying, and how that is, con- how is that contributing to your thriving journey or not? Mm. Honestly, it's great. Honesty is good. You know, you're reflecting personally, honestly, but by the time you think about the implications of those conversations directly or indirectly could actually cost someone the ability to thrive or to journey to thriving quicker. So that's something I think we can do. Give people permission to thrive. Let them feel themselves. Let them learn from their failure. Don't feel like you have to hold people's hands. I've had so many people that have contributed to my thriving journey, but I've also had some people that have been very possessive of my thriving journey because of the, the, the amount of contribution and how much I've leaned on them. They have not seen me as someone that's capable of making a decision or could make a best decision for myself. So they've kind of been more possessive of me. I want to be part of every decision and I have to check in with them all the time around yeah, so I have to check in with me all the time around decisions I make. And when I put my foot down and go, oh, this is really what I respect anymore. She's not taking decisions from us anymore. So giving people permission to thrive, giving people the opportunity to thrive. An opportunity could be given in different ways. It could be an ally, you know, um, in terms of opportunity to thrive. It could be someone that will point you to, to the direction of your success, link you with somebody, network, you know. It could be anything. You could actually be a sponsor within an organization that's giving someone an opportunity to thrive because you know that they could be actually be uh, not given the same privilege as other people. So you're actually looking out for them. There was a survey that was released during the International Women's Week. I think I read it on LinkedIn, that women of color, actually 80% of them are stuck in the middle, middle role and will probably never get out of it unless someone sponsors them. This has got nothing to do with capability or competence. This is just because of the systemic nature of it. So that's the role that sponsors can play. Be very intentional about this person has come to the organization. I know they're still, I know what they deserve. I know what they can do. And I'm here to support them to get there. And I'm going to speak for them and I'm going to be a voice for them. So permission, sponsorship, 
And I think the third one I probably will speak for is to, is to actually give that, that ability to have a seat at the table. So this has been a contentious conversation about a seat at the table. Some of us are even tired of the seat at the table. We actually want to create our own, fold, uh, our own tables or come with a folding chair, you know? We want to control the space. We don't, we're tired of having to feel or advocate for ourselves to have a seat at the table. And sometimes when you even have the opportunity to have the seat at the table, you, your hands are folded. Yeah. You can't actually do much. You know, it's, it's, it's you're having this professional bias and other challenges have happening there. But I think giving a seat at the table that is really meaningful for that person to thrive. So making sure that they are not only uh, succeeding, but they are thriving, that they're having every opportunity they can to grow and to develop as a person mm. and give back to society. So I think those are the things that people can do to support others to thrive. And, and I think it could be as simple as just giving someone a like on LinkedIn. You know, this person is saying something more intentional. I want to put them up. I want to amplify them. Like you've reached out to me, giving me the space to speak in your podcast. Those things go a long way. Because that's how people get to know you. That's how people get to understand your wisdom. That's how people get to understand your expertise. That's how they get to appreciate and acknowledge it. The more they hear hear you speak, the more they hear you talk, the more they understand what you can offer and what you have there to do and what you stand for. So I think really there's a lot that we could do that is just as simple as just affirming each other through comments, through likes. There's something as simple as just connecting one to each other. I've had women, you know, message, private message me and said, oh, you've talked about this. You should speak to this person. They are good in that space or they could help you, you know. Those are the little, little things you can do. Just cost as much because yeah. people will utilize the, the opportunity very, very well. So you could think about simple things you could do. And I don't like to be prescriptive around that. I want people to hone it and become their own. So think about it and write it down. Even if three things I want to do to help people around me to thrive. And those things doesn't have to be big or three things I want to do to help these people around my organization. So actually, Abiola, can you just, can you please just repeat what you said the last sentence or two, just because you went a bit, oh, a bit weird. <laughs> just saying that as we're having this conversation, yeah. whoever is listening to it could go, oh, I know that girl at HR. I, look, I know that girl in the coffee shop. You know, just people will come to mind that they know that they're the talent they have the capabilities they have the competence they just don't have anyone to advocate sponsor or elevate them go and do something about it be that be that ally be that voice be that person that someone else is up and uplift them there's greatness in every one of us but we also rub on each other's greatness and that's what thriving means yeah um you know one of my um mentors and and friends the first question that she has people ask around their relationships is am i being uplifted not only that but i'm am i taking responsibility and am I, am I uplifting the people around me and and that can go for that's for any relationship am i uplifting or not what what am i doing here you know because especially with people we're very close to as well Sometimes we we forget that. And I was just, when you were talking about different ways, you know, sponsorship um, being one, um, but also seeing people as someone who is capable and, you know, and strong and able, um, that is such a gift to give people. Because let's face it, most of us are hardest on ourselves. And when we've been through you know, moving to another country, moving to another culture, you know, any of these sorts of experiences, chances are our confidence has had a hit. 
<laughs> you know, and I'm speaking from personal experience here as well. Uh, you know, if you're struggling with language, struggling to be understood or understand not only the language, but how people kind of function around you in this in this culture, what's accepted, what's not accepted, um, it's, it, you know, it, it does... It does have an effect and, and, and our self-belief often, you know, it, it deteriorates for a little while. Um, and then to actually have somebody looking at you and seeing someone who is capable and strong. And I think one of the, because I imagine that some sponsors might fall into that, no, I have to hold this person's hand and I have to drag them up rather than walking with them. <laughs> Um, I think it's important to, you know, not try to fix things for everybody, but go sort of say rather, right, so what are you going to do about this and how can I help there? Yeah, yeah. I wrote, I wrote a, a little, like a fact sheet, or I don't know, even know what to call it, around active allyship. Because I think some people really want to do right, but they are trapped in the in the empower to disempower yes. so they actually want to empower people but they are actually disempowering them they're becoming an hindrance to their progress rather than being a, um, a contributor to their progress and and most of the time that the intentions is there we, we we live in this western society whereby it's always been traditional that any engagement with minority group or people of color or refugees or people seeking asylum are always done from a patronizing way are always done from a charity perspective, a charity lens. So someone can even see you as an executive of an organization just because you're a person of color, they take you as a charity case. You know, I want to be, I want to support this person as a charity rather than I want to support this person as an empowered individual and human being that something yes. really genuinely to contribute to society. So I think it's really about understanding how we do that. I really want to write one about sponsorship and, and separating what sponsorship and active allyship actually looks like. But I think that would be really unique to really dissect that. Mm. But ultimately, I think for, for society that we live in and for now that we're all aware, you know, about what we need to do, or the fact that we actually need to be more culturally inclusive, the fact that we actually need to have a more inclusive society, that giving to charity is not enough. We have to play a role as individuals. Now that we are coming to those realization and having the conversation, it's about it's actually about the how. Because I don't think I've come across anyone that would tell me, even racist will tell you they're not racist. They don't have ill intention. So you haven't come across someone that would tell you, oh, this is what I'm, this is my mission, is to be to be horrible to society, to be horrible to the human being. Everyone wants to do right, but how do we do it? I think the conversation is now in the how, and I really would love to do something about, you know, sponsorship and, and actually naming those things that you could do in the workplace to actually sponsor other people. It's a very American tradition. And when it comes to sponsorship, it's not really commonly used here because people still have this conversation around fair goal, around, you know, everyone deserves a chance, merit over quotas. and all of the other things just that comes with that. But I think the ultimate thing is really for equity to be evenly distributed, we have to move into positive discrimination. Our role as active allies have to preference some people by the other in order for us to bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. And, 
you know, another thing that that every now and again just pops up and really goes, just stands out is that sometimes we are biased against what we are. <laughs> um, and that's something to be aware of as well. I, I was just, I was talking to Leslie Williams. Um, this is a while ago now. So she wrote Not Just Black and White and um, an, an amazing um, Aboriginal elder. Um, and her children, because she'd had a very hard time, her children wanted to protect her. And they, without any of them realising, over a long period of time, actually disempowered her and took her, took, well, took her power away. Um, with, with, and they had the best intentions. But another situation, I was talking to a friend and she did a, um, I think it's a Harvard, it's something online where you can see what your biases are by filling in um, a whole lot of, you know, answers to questions and things like that. And this, this friend found that she's biased against her own sexuality, her own age, her own colour. This is, I mean, really biased against what she is. I mean, it, it takes so many forms, doesn't it? And, and it can be extremely, well, it's, almost, it's always unexpected when we suddenly realise what our biases have been. Have you come across that much? Just that, yeah, that, that yeah, yeah, I have, especially in the refugee community, I have. You know, people have been so battered and beaten with negative media, racial tone, you know, advertisement, um, charitable um, plea that makes them victimized, feel victimized, and, you know, other things that they don't want to have anything to do with the refugee course or community they just want to remove themselves from it they don't even tell anyone they're from refugee background because it's just 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 too much for them it's over it's not from a place of the fact that they want to deny that background or roots it's just that they just had enough of it they just want to be human they just want to live like any other person and they think that's holding them back you know from being able to feel included and inclusive in society so they could come in different way i think those internalized biases also play a big role uh, but most importantly, is a reflection on society on us. I would I wouldn't want to lose my identity or lose my journey or my experiences if people have not labeled that to be who I am. That that's all I'm about. A refugee. All I'm about is a woman of color. All my, all I'm about is someone that needs help. You know, when when that becomes a notion or a narrative every time you speak I think you're probably the first person I've been um on their show I can't remember but that's the only thing I could come to my memory where you haven't asked me to talk about my journey as the beginning of the conversation you know it's it, um, it's it's tiring people are exhausted because they want to see they want people to see their strength they want people to see their their contribution, their ability to be able to make a meaningful difference in society, what they can contribute back socially and economically to Australia and, and being able to always bring them back to that story of, of journey to Australia, of why they sought asylum, of what their journey has been and bringing that painful 
traumatic stories back and reducing them to that's who they are or that's the only reason why they are where they are today. I think that creates a, a lot of um, internalized bias and people just wanted to remove themselves from all of that. Not for any reason, but just for their own mental health and well-being and yeah. their sense of inclusion, because they think that if that's only the thing people see about me, then I'm not going to go far because they would never think about me in the boardroom. They would never think about me in an opportunity. They can think about me when they want to give to charity, you know, but they think about me when they want to help someone succeed or they want to hire a consultant or things like that. They will probably, I'll probably not come to mind because all they can remember is Abiola is, you know, that refugee. Mm. So that's, that's another reason I think why people try to distance themselves or remove themselves from the things that have contributed um, meaningfully or you know quite profoundly to who they are today and their journey they just don't want to be part of it because it's bringing this negative and reducing color connotation to them yeah yeah no I can completely understand that thank you for talking about that yeah yeah and so another thing that I would love to chat about with you is the, the many faces of fear. Um, because I think sometimes we're reacting, because when we re react, it's almost, it's, it's from a place of fear, reacting rather than responding. Um, when we react, it's based on our past experiences, our perceptions, our beliefs, all the things that we've picked up. <laughs> um, so can you talk about that from your point of view, please, Abiola? Yeah, yeah, I think fear as a sense of being, it's something quite, yeah, I'm even fearful talking about it because I carry a lot of fear. And that's, you know, I'm a very optimistic person, but my biggest fear is actually in who I am and what I can contribute to society, which I know I have, but because of the constant, you know, things that play in my head, I go, oh, Who's going to patronize me? Who's going to support me? Am I going to be commercially viable? You know, what if I don't know? Because, you know, we don't have, I don't have the network. I don't have the relationship. People might just love me for what I post on LinkedIn. But once I start my own thing, who's going to, you know, want to be my customer? Or who's going to put their hand up or speak for me and say, oh, this girl can do this or can do that. You know, it's just internalized fear. And I carry a lot of that, you know, especially when I'm thinking about what's my next phase and what's my next journey. And how am I going to get there? I'm always being held back. That's personally to me. I'm always being held back about, you know, that's fear of what if it doesn't work? What if people don't really like me as, as, as I thought I did? What if they don't value my expertise as, as I thought? What if, or do I really have enough? Am I enough? Can I give enough? Am I, is it going to be valuable? Am I going to contribute meaningfully? Is, do I have a niche? You know, things like that. And I start to question most of the things I'm, I'm really good at, especially when I see other people that don't have enough or not, not, not have enough, that don't have as much experience or expertise or depth that I do. And I see them thriving just because of their color and because of the ability and the network and the relationships they have, which is now allow them to grow and develop. I just go, oh, I don't have that same thing. I don't have that relationship. I don't have that network. I don't have, you know, those kind of things that can help me to 
unlock opportunities and open the door. There's still a bias there about people of color and, and the expertise that we carry and how that is valued in society and all of that. So that's my own personal fear. But I think fear as a sense of being is something that holds us back. It's not only holding us back from who we are, but holding other people back from actually letting us in as well, you know, from a place of breaking the bias perspective. So many people actually find themselves being biased towards other people because of fear. Fear of unknown, fear of if I give this person a chance, does that mean that I still exist? You know, those kind of things that have, um, you know, sometimes legitimate, but also non-founded. Yeah. It's all something we've made up in our head, you know, and, and fear of the fact that if I, if I fail, I don't have the same opportunity as someone that was born here to pick myself back up again and have the and have the um, ability to actually you know to get back and learn quickly from my from my mistake that could actually be a deal breaker for me you know when you fall rising again might take a lot harder than other people i've seen people leave work due to you know situations that happened at work and they just left quite abruptly and the following week they've gotten into another job even better you know like just get on with life that's it but I for one cannot do that because I have to prove myself 150 percent every time every time every time you have to prove yourself to the level where people see beyond your color and it takes a lot of work to do that especially when you are now climbing the executive ladder and trying to and find a, your place in experts, um, in, in terms of your expertise, your background, your ability to actually deliver, it's a lot, it's exhausting, it's tiring. So some of us, when we find ourselves in a role, apart from the fact that we're not given opportunity to step up and prove ourselves and rise, we actually feel very comfortable <laughs> because you know how much it takes you to get to this place and being able to rise and wanna do something else is so, um, scary i'll be lying if i don't say i'm scared about you know if i think about the things that i want to do my passion my dream you know where i want to be and what i want to do and sometimes too i'm learning to overcome that and sometimes too i'm learning to be comfortable with that you know fear is using that fear as a as a validation of actually how i'm feeling rather than something that could hold me back so it's a continuous exercise for me, I think I, I want to speak about this particular one personally, because I think I'm, I still have a lot of growing up to do in that space and also to continually reaffirm my myself and validate myself and, and validate what I can offer and all of that. And I think when fear plays a role, I'm now trying to shift my mind to the fact that this fear is actually, this feeling is actually validating how I'm feeling. It's not some, it's not, it's not something that's an abstract. It's actually what's present. Mm. Am I using it? Is it? Am I using it to hold myself back? Or am I using it just to understand my present state and then figuring out what I want to do next and how I'm going to overcome it? So I think that's something that I'm playing. Yeah, it's constant, constant battle, but I'm working towards, I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and we all see our own fears reflected back at us, don't we? You know, mm. if we, it's, it's the, um, the mind's need to have our inner landscape match our outer landscape, you know, and 
I think a lot of people listening to this will 100% resonate with what you've just said um, and the underlying sense, hang on, am I enough? Am I enough? I just got tingles then. Um, that, you know, and that, and that shows up in so many, in so many different ways. And if, if we, and then there's the struggle, the struggle to prove it, because if inside we're thinking I'm not enough, I'm not enough, then our mind is going to try and look for ways to prove it. Yeah. And that's where a big part of the struggle comes in, doesn't yeah. it? Struggling against <laughs> the mind wanting to match our internal um, wiring <laughs> um, with with our outer world and and the friction that the, the the pushback that that creates and and you know when you were talking I could see it on your face I know a lot of people were just going to be listening to this but I could see that sense of exhaustion a feeling like you have to battle for every millimeter um, and. And it's that that external battle, but it's the internal battle as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the external battle because you don't get a lot of that validation unless you ask for it. The um, the internal battle of do I feel enough? And I think that's where the role of courage comes comes in. Yeah, fear is still there. You know, it's where how you're feeling. So it's not something that is. It's, it's not too far off. It's, it's actually there. You are fearful and scared. But at the same time, you're courageous because you don't want that fear to hold you back. Yeah. Transitioning into courage, but still, still not using courage to take away the fear because it doesn't replace each other. Just yeah. to, courage means that you, you recognize you're fearful, you recognize you're scared, but you still want to keep going. Yeah, and I, um, one of my favorite all-time wise guys is um, Dr. David R. Hawkins, and he um, he's put together what he calls a map of consciousness. And so, you know, people might want to look that up. He's written a lot of books. An amazing man. He's he's not alive anymore, um, but he also did a lot of lectures, which are available on audio books. And his, his map of consciousness, it's a logarithmic, well, I don't know, get, need to go into the details of it, but, but for a lot of people, consciousness level 200, according to his scale, is the point at which courage and responsibility for ourselves comes into play. Um, and it's quite wonderful reading um, his explanation of this. Um, because as you say, you know, the, to be to be utterly and completely fearless, we'd have to be, I don't know, Buddha, I, I imagine, you know. <laughs> um, and this is a man who um, I believe um, became fully self-realized in his in his lifetime. And he talks about it. And he talks the different about the different fears that come up at different points. And even at the highest states of um, personal or spiritual evolution and consciousness, fears pop up. And he talks about the developing the ability to surrender them, recognizing them and surrendering them rather than resisting them. Um, and that that's how he 
I mean, I'm so paraphrasing things that he's said, but but that's how he um, evolved was by surrendering it. He he surrendered to God. For other people, it might be surrendering it to the field, to the universe, surrendering it to that whatever that is that's greater than our, the small us, <laughs> the little us that's um, that feels like we're not enough. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, for people who are interested, uh, I, I highly recommend his works. Wow. So can we, Abiola, just in closing, can we just for listeners and watchers, can we just bring this back to the little things? Hmm. I think, yeah, I was reading, I think I saw a post on Instagram recently and says the biggest upgrade a woman can have is to have people that uphold her in a cycle, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, looking at the, and thinking of little things and things that we could do that are very intentional or doesn't take too much from us, is really upholding each other, validating each other, affirming each other, helping people to open doors that they probably would not be able to open talking to other people about, you know, being a sponsor, coming back to that sponsorship is really, sometimes it's not a lot. It's just that you have the integrity, you have the relationship, you have the trust of a community, and then you use that privilege for good by bringing other people into that space and going, you know what? I know her, I know what she can offer. Give her the opportunity because you know, if she goes by herself, she probably won't get it. So that's something that I think we could do that are simple, but yet very affirming, yet very impactful, yet very transformational. I think also another thing is, you know, watch out and be a, a good and active listener of other people. Because sometimes people too, you know, we, we carry a lot of facade. We try to, you know, create a, a, a presence that sometimes has a lot of falsehood embedded in there. So you have to be an active listener. And, and, and use that time to really understand what you could do to make a difference in someone's life. That is not a lot, but tangible yeah. and make a difference. So I think it's really about listening more, affirming and validating other people, using our privilege for good, you know, in terms of the good of others. And also most importantly, becoming more self-aware. Because even if we can't contribute to other people's life, we shouldn't reduce it or take out of it as well. So being more, becoming more self-aware so that we can be, um, this equitable and inclusive society can come quicker and sooner and we can start to close the gap. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your openness and everything that you have offered us today Abiola I appreciate it so much and I know the listeners and watchers absolutely will too uh, you've certainly touched me and I think you'll be touching a lot of people thank you thank you so much I'm you know I'm listening to myself and learning from myself as well because some of it is something that I need to say out loud you know yeah. that for to receive and accept it so it's actually I'm actually, I'm actually a work in progress too so yeah, we all are, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And listeners and watchers, thank you for joining us as well and for being a part of this community and this conversation. We value you <laughs> um, and we thank you um, really, really deeply from, from our hearts. These are important things for humanity and for us as individuals, as, you know, one of, one of those little cells in humanity. Um, so thank you, everyone, and I look forward to seeing you or speaking with you over the waves next time. Bye. <laughs>